Hello, and welcome to episode 68 of the Disney Park Princess podcast. I'm your co-host, Sarah. And I'm Heather. I have to point because Lou yelled at us. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> and this week we are going to be doing listener Q&A, uh, a little bit of news and all kinds of stuff. We have tons of questions and I don't know if we're going to get to all of them today. So we might do listener Q&A part two. We'll see how far we get. Um, but first of all, can we talk about the fact that Heather is basically Boston Terriers from head to toe because I've seen so far a Boston Terrier t-shirt, a Boston Terrier blanket. Oh, <laughs> oh, she's got the mug. I got that mug, FYI, for the record. Also, my little mascot on my oh. desk. <laughs> yeah, I've become the crazy Boston Terrier later, and I'm not sorry about it. <laughs> I don't think that's like a problem. <laughs> anything wrong with that at all uh, so I just had to remark because you sat down and I saw the t-shirt and then you got up at one point with the blanket on and I was like oh this is, it's a thing today it's, yeah. it's all I have left people oh. <laughs> it's all I have left uh, all right so let's get into we're gonna talk a little bit about the coronavirus um only as it pertains to sort of the Disney parks because it is affecting things um I feel like I need to put a caveat here and I'm sure I probably do. This is not medical information for medical information. Please consult your physician. We are not doctors. We are not scientists. We don't know what we're talking about from a scientific perspective. This is just how it is affecting the Disney parks. So, But we are travel agents and we do know that the Disney parks are closed in China. Yeah. It are all of the, just Hong Kong. No, Shanghai was closed first for about a week. Okay. All right. So Shanghai closed and now Hong Kong is closed. Um, Shanghai may or may not be open at the moment. I am unclear. I know like the Great Wall is closed and the Terracotta Warriors are closed. And basically all of the sites that you want to see in China are closed. A lot of tourist destinations are being affected by this right now. Um, So if you are planning a trip to one of the Asian parks, your mileage may vary. Please check park hours, check and make sure, you know, use common sense, precautions, talk to your doctor, talk to your whatever. Um, there is now also, I believe, a confirmed case in Orange County, which is where Disneyland is located. So it is not affecting operations at Disneyland as of right now. However, guests are reporting that you will see a lot of people walking around in sort of the hospital masks, which yes, understandable. <laughs> Um, also i'm going to disneyland tonight so let's hope that i am fine and i don't get ill people okay but if you wear a mask i want a picture <laughs> i'm gonna be wearing a headlamp don't worry there's going to be video a headlamp oh you're doing that scavenger hunt thingy oh yeah. that's right that's right okay all right so. i, I want to hear more to come more to come yeah more i'm gonna come. want i'm gonna want details on that so. <laughs> that's exciting okay um and also all of the noodles and dumplings if you get anywhere near the Lunar New Year stuff. Oh, that's why we're going early is because I'm, oh, okay. all right. I'm going to eat Fantastic. all the food. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, all right. So let's get into our first question. I'm going to read this one and let you guys answer it because this is sort of more in your wheelhouse. <laughs> and okay. I know you will both have a list. I also will say that for a lot of these questions, we actually have blog posts that answer these questions. So your first resource um, in between listener Q&A episodes should always be www.disneyparkprincess.com. If you go there and type in your keyword, chances are good that a blog post is going to pop up. So, um, for example, this first question. Hi, ladies. What are your favorite lounges at Disney World? On our upcoming trip, we plan to visit the Nomad Lounge before dinner at Tiffin's and check out Enchanted Rose during our resort day at the Grand Floridian. Do you have any other favorite lounges at the parks and resorts that you'd recommend? Thanks, Megan. All right, go ahead. Well, Megan, you already mentioned our first favorite, which is the Nomad Lounge. Love that one. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to Enchanted Rose, did not get a drink there um, because it was early in the day and I don't believe they were really open too much. Um, but maybe Sarah and I will go there in I hope so. I want to go. And yeah. uh, it's really pretty though. Um, let's see. What else do I love? I really like the one at the Wilderness Lodge that is connected to Artist Point. Yes. I, can, I always forget the name of Territory. it. Territory Lounge. Yes. yes. Beautiful in there. I really like that one. There's a great mural on the ceiling. It's a really pretty pretty lounge. That's one of my favorites. Alright, Heather. I know I can see you Ready to go. <laughs> go. Just go read my blog post. I say yeah. all my favorites. Um, I love the Bellevue Lounge over at the Boardwalk. Yeah. It's kind of hidden. Um, 
also downstairs, the Abracadabar is a lot of fun too, but I, I prefer the Bellevue Lounge because it's just, you can kind of tuck into a little couch, play a board game and relax. Um, I love um, Tudo Gusto in the Italy Pavilion at Epcot, um, especially if you can get a little lounger couch by the fireplace. Um, obviously the Nomad Lounge, Magic Kingdom doesn't really have lounges. Oh, the Brown Derby Lounge at the at oh, obviously Hollywood Studios. Yeah. I <laughs> will sit there. Honestly, I'll just sit there for six hours. It's yeah. fine because they have great food and the people watching is fantastic as everybody's just like running to Toy Story, yeah. Star Wars, Toy Story, Star Wars, and they go right by you. It's, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. We have sat there for six hours before. Yeah. Uh, and they have margarita flights and martini flights, and they do seasonal martinis because it is fancy. Okay, we're at the Brown Derby. So, like, it's just, it's classic cocktails. Of course, there's wine and beer, but they, they specialize in classic cocktails. So, it's just, it's fun. It's a fun yeah. little vibe. Yeah. So the other one that I love that neither of you mentioned, and I'm surprised, is the lounge at Ale and Compass at Disney's Yacht Club. So that was fun when we went there. I love that lounge. It is, you know, very small, very intimate. It's painted navy blue, so of course I love it. Um, There's a fireplace. If you can get there, they have like a little setup with like a sofa and a couple chairs right in front of the fireplace. And if you can get that spot in front of the fireplace, grab a cocktail and the Parker House Rolls. The red. Okay. What else did we have when we went? I feel like we, we had, had so like, things. We had, we had like seven things on the table. Yeah. I, I feel like we only had delicious. the rolls. That's all I remember was the rolls. It was yeah. so <laughs> good. Everything was really good. I think the meatballs were fantastic. I mean, there was like a, there was like a lot the of meatballs. really good Yeah, we had a dip. There, there was a dip was that a we dip. did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the Parker House rolls, people say all the time, but they're rolls. You get rolls for free with dinner. It's not about the rolls. It's about the butters and the sides. Yes. The little bits of- <laughs> yeah. That's I also favorite. really like, there's a lounge at Animal Kingdom Lodge that's on like kind of the mezzanine floor between oh, yeah, the yeah. Yes. Uh, lobby oh. and down Victoria to the Falls. Victoria Falls. Yes. Yeah. I love that one. It's I really like cool. that one too, because you can, it's open air it's got mm-hmm. kind of like the waterfall coming yeah. down from the like there's a waterfall wall I guess yep. right that's how you describe it and then you overlook yep. onto Boma so it's it's loud it's out in the open but it's also intimate it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun yeah that's a great one all right moving on so hopefully Megan that answers your question thank you for sending it in uh next up hi ladies I love your podcast and I'm a proud Patreon supporter yay thank you my mother who's 83, and my sisters and I, all well into our 50s, are going on our annual Disney Girls trip a bit later this year. We'll be there for Flower and Garden Festival for the first time and wanted to know if you have any suggestions or recommendations. Okay, so she has more questions. This is Cindy, by the way. She has more questions, but we'll we'll stop there and we'll answer the rest later. Okay, Uh, Flower and Garden suggestions or recommendations? Hmm. Well, okay, here's what I think at Flower and Garden, for me, this is overlooked. And they don't do them as in-depth as they used to, but they offer little workshops. And some of them are free. Like, I stumbled upon one where I made little, they called them seed balls, where you basically created Mm -hmm. your own little seed pack, and you got to bring them home, and you got to plant wild flowers. Um, So... And they have seminars and talks by different gardeners. So get a schedule and go to those because most of them are free. They're really overlooked. And it's a lot of good information coming from somebody who doesn't garden. I've kept exactly one plant alive my entire life. (laughs) And it's on its last legs. But for me, it's, it's interesting and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I have a black yeah. thumb too. And I think that's what appeals to me about the Flower and Garden Festival is they get to enjoy all the beautiful flowers without yeah. having to take care of all the beautiful flowers. Exactly. And inevitably kill them. Um, the seminars are great. I love all of the different um, topiaries. Like you really kind of don't realize exactly how intense the change is with the foliage and the flowers and the topiary. Like in every single country, they update every single flower bed and yeah. every like it is amazing. So I'm always a big proponent of wandering through the World Showcase, but even more so during Flower and Garden, because there are some really, really beautiful displays in every country. And stop into the Festival Center, too. I don't know I don't know where the Festival Centers are anymore since Wonders of Life closed. <laughs> I, but stop into the Festival Center because they have um, Disney gardeners, gardening clubs from around Florida. If you have questions about plants that you can't quite figure out how to grow, they're there to answer for you. They also always have, I come home with a stack of papers this thick because they um, they have little flyers. Like they teach you how to do the floating gardens that you see in the Epcot Lagoon and, and things like that. It's, I've never built them because, again, I don't garden, but 
it makes me ambitious and I really think about it for a while. <laughs> I, don't you come home thinking, I could maybe do, no, you could. Totally. Like, yeah. <laughs> I haven't yet, but one day. Um, my favorite thing at Flower and Garden Festival is the butterfly pavilion. And it's not just about the butterflies because they're really, I mean, it's really fun and it's really nice to see butterflies around, but they have little fairy houses and little just hidden gems throughout the gardens in there that if you take some time to just look around, I mean, go through and look at the butterflies, but you know, take some time to look at, look in the gardens and you'll see some really cute stuff that they've put in. And I really like that. They do such a good job. The festivals, as, as everybody knows, we have sort of, slightly mixed feelings on the festivals. I like the festivals, but I wish they would stop making them year long. But I will say my favorite thing about the festivals is Disney's already incredible with details. And then you add a festival and they just take the details so many notches up. It's yeah. really amazing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Her next question is, we also want to ride Rise of the Resistance. Me too. And understand we need to be in Hollywood Studios when it opens to join a boarding group. My question, do we each need to join separately or can one person do it for the group, three people? I'd love to hear tips on how to maximize our chances of riding. And our trip also coincides with the opening of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Thank you for any help you can offer. And thank you for your fun and informative podcast, Kind Regards, Sydney. Okay. So we have not ridden Rise of the Resistance yet. Charlotte and I are going to try next month. You will wake up early. I, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I realize I may have to wake up early every more, morning. More than one morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. It We're going to try it. We're going to try it the first day. And then if we don't get it, I'm going to start again the second day. Um, so you do have to be in, uh, like, through the entrance gates. So your magic band has to have been scanned for everybody before you can get a boarding group. Um, you One person can get it for your entire group. But really, for your best chances, all of you should be trying. Yeah, <laughs> mix and much. match, because then what if you can ride three or four times? That would be awesome. Well, yeah. I think they'll only give you one boarding group per, per band. Person. So okay. whoever gets it first, that's it. Nobody else is going to be able to get it. So, um, but yes, uh, the tips that I have heard is turn your Wi-Fi off. Do not be on Disney's Wi-Fi service. That'll slow it way down. So you should just be using your cellular service or if you have a personal hotspot or something like that, don't be on Disney's Wi-Fi service. Um, that's the number one tip that I have heard. Make sure that your app is open before you get into the park. Um, because if you wait until you get into the park and the park is open, the system gets overwhelmed. So ideally you should already be in the app before yeah. you walk. And make sure you're logged in. My app always logs me out. Yeah. So make sure you're logged in. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you're yeah. logged in. Yep. That's a big one. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and all of this, like they're, they're updating the process weekly at least. Um, so some of this could change. Yeah. yeah. But I think the boarding groups themselves are going to stay around for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, keep, there are other, <laughs> there are better ways than us to find the up-to-date information because yeah. people are really obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah. But we will try to keep you, you know, as informed as we can. But, yeah. um, you know, just just keep checking how to do it. Maybe ask a cast member the day before you go or something like that yeah. um, to make sure that things are up-to-date. Yeah. Um, but good luck. Um, I would get there, you know, by 6.30 and... At the latest. Speed. Yeah, at the latest. Yep. Yeah. All right. So thank you for your question, Cindy. Uh, hello, Disney Park Princess. I've been hearing a lot about renting DVC, that's Disney Vacation Club, points lately. We plan on doing a trip in 2021 and I'm wondering about this option. What are your thoughts on renting Disney Vacation Club points, pros and cons? Thank you, Darla. Heather. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I don't know how to answer this because I, I personally... I don't rent my points to anybody. I use my points. And if I don't use my points, I roll them over so I can use them the following year. I also have never rented points for, from anyone. I know that this is super popular and there are plenty of people listening that do this. I am not a fan. And the reason being is that you are not renting these points directly from Disney. You are renting them from you're renting them from another fan another human that has bought disney's timeshare and cannot use their points and so they're looking to make a little money off of it and they are renting them out now there are companies that some people rent they sign a contract with 
this company that finds people to rent points. Other people don't do that. Maybe they just post them on a message board somewhere and say, you know, I have 200 Polynesian points for X amount of dollars. Um, I guess the pro in doing this is that you're going to save money. You can probably get a quote unquote deluxe villa resort for cheaper than if you were going to book a package through Disney. Um, the cons to me far outweigh the pro your mileage may vary but the con is again you are renting from a person you don't know who you are renting from so right. you need to make sure that you have a contract that you have read it over that you've signed everything that you trust this person to make your reservation that your reservation really exists what the cancellation policies are um it's probably a little safer to go through a DVC rental company as opposed to just a person on a message board. I am not comfortable with doing that myself personally, so I never have. Um, other cons also, you just don't get a package. It's not everything's not bundled up neatly. So you know you're gonna rent your points over here. You have to buy your tickets directly from Disney. You can ha add in a dining plan to your reservation. You would have to then go ask that person that you've rented points from to add it to your reservation for you. Um, you know they're essentially in control. They're they're the person that owns your reservation. Um, so. Whether or not that's worth it, I don't know if that's up to each individual. I personally wouldn't do it. Yeah, you're you're counting on that owner to handle your reservation as if it were their own. Um, so you're counting on them to make exactly the right reservation, with exactly the right names and the dates and the request. You're counting on them to add the dining plan in a timely manner or whatever, you know. Um, you're also counting on them not to decide they want to use the points themselves and then just cancel your reservation. Um, if you're if you're going directly with somebody, you don't have a contract. You have nothing. Now, if you're going through one of the companies, of which there are a few, you know, they probably have rules and some protections around that. But even still, there's very little. I have had clients who have come to me desperate because they're supposed to be leaving for Disney tomorrow or the next day. And their reservation has been canceled for whatever reason. And now they're stuck without a hotel. So I do not want to imply that that is the case for many people. I don't want to imply that it's rampant or that, you know, DVC owners can't be trusted. I'm just saying it it happens and that is the risk that you're taking. And only you know if that risk is worth the savings. Yeah. You are not, again, you're not renting from Disney. You are renting from an individual or maybe a DVC rental company. But you know, if it's even a company, with the DVC rental company, though, you're still renting from the individual. Exactly. It's just they have a contract you need in place. To so. Read reviews. If it's the rental yeah. company, check. You know, the BBB. You really have to be careful and protect yourself there. And then also, yeah. I don't know if people are aware of this or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. When you rent DVC points or you book through DVC yourself, like I would, um, you're not eligible for any discounts that Disney puts out. So if you see a free dining promotion or right. a 40% off the Riviera Resort, you're not getting those discounts. So you can't go back in then and adjust what you've paid if you're renting points. So that's right. just something yeah. to keep in mind as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to point out that uh, some people just don't know this. You can contact Disney or your travel agent and just book a room at a DVC villa just like you would at a regular hotel. So right. you don't have to stay on points to stay in one of those rooms. We do it all the time. Um, all you have to do is pay the money that they charge and you don't pay with points. So you can actually do that um, if you want to do it. Yes, maybe points will save you some money, but there are some risks. So if you want to stay in one, you know, price it out. See, see yeah. what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when there's good hotel discounts. A lot of the times they are available on the deluxe villa resorts and you can sometimes get a, a rate that's close to what you might pay um, with renting points. So yeah. you never know. Yeah. All right. So next up is a question from Lisa. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm skipping one. Nicole. I'm sorry. I'm skipping one. Nicole. What? What? I'm, I'm all over this one. I'm excited. Go ahead. All over, all over the, the one from Nicole. Okay. So Nicole says, now, I know we're only allowed to stay at the Grand Californian. It's not true. We never said that. That's not true. Um, but should we visit Disneyland? But for the sake of argument and my pocketbook, what off-site hotel would you recommend? We usually stay at deluxe resorts at the world and would want to stay somewhere similar from Nicole. 
I know. I already know Heather's answer to this. Go ahead. <laughs> Nicole, I can appreciate it because Disneyland is really freaking expensive. I get that. However, if you want to stay somewhere that is the equivalent of the beach club, the yacht club, the boardwalk, the Polynesian, you have to stay at a Disney resort. There is no good neighbor hotel that is the equivalent of a Disney deluxe resort. Um, so you can look at it that you're going to go and stay with the Disney service and quality you know, or you're going to go and save some money. Whichever option that works for you, that's great. You're not going to have a bad time. Um, but the Good Neighbor hotels are very much motels. They are not resorts. They are not big, fancy beach resorts. The majority of them are motels that were built in the 50s and 60s and have been renovated over the years. A lot of, not all of them, but a lot of them have pools that are in the middle of a parking lot with a fence around it. So if you're going, <laughs> sure. To, sure. If you're going to look for a resort and you want to feel like you're on vacation and you want somewhere that has grounds where you can relax that maybe has several restaurants uh, you know lounges beautifully themed pools that you're used to one of the three disney hotels is where you need to stay you will pay a pretty penny for them but you're going to get that level of quality you're used to yeah but if you were just say they're all sold out oh, for her date i have i Which have one? two of them i have two there is the Anaheim Majestic Garden Inn. Yep, it yep. is beautiful. It looks like a little, um, I don't want to say a castle, but like That's a cottage manor. The we yeah. They're yeah. beautiful, beautiful rooms. They're, it's really nice. However, it is over a half a mile away from the parks. So you have to take a shuttle to get there. So again, beautiful hotel, but you're trading the proximity. Right. Or right across the street from the parks, I love the Fairfield Inn. Anaheim. Um, you can walk to the parks from here, which is nice. It's not as close as the Disney resorts. I think that's a misnomer that people think um, that most of the good neighbors are actually closer than the Disney hotels, and they are not. Maybe one or two is closer than Paradise Pier, but um, the Fairfield Inn is really nice. It's been recently redone. The rooms are really clean, but again, it is not the same you know they don't have a sit-down restaurant they don't have these beautiful grounds um they have a food court with like a pizza hut in it and everything which is fine there's nothing wrong with that i love myself a pizza hut but it's not the same thing that you're going to expect yeah. there is no equivalent of a disney deluxe resort in a good neighbor hotel yeah yeah Fair enough. All right. So next up, this question is from Lisa. Hello. We are a multi-generational family going to Walt Disney World in November, trying to decide on the best resort for the group. Grandma, mom, dad, and 10-year-old child. We have traditionally done two connecting rooms, but I was wondering what options there are for larger rooms that won't break the bank. Not going to be in a room a lot as it is a shorter trip, but need a little elbow room. Multiple options for transportation is preferred. Thanks, Lisa. Okay, so Lisa, there is, this is a perfect example. I've written an entire article on tips for multi-generational trips to Walt Disney World. It's on our blog. Um, you can check it out. But um, to answer her question, you would probably be looking at either a family suite at one of the value resorts. So Art of Animation or All-Star Music. Um, you could potentially look at, there are some rooms at Coronado Springs that are larger. Um, they have, I think, there's their deluxe room and then there's some they, suite yeah. towers. Yeah, they yeah. have the one bedroom Casita suite, the Casita's executive yeah. suite. Yeah. They have the presidential suites Those, now in yeah. the tower. Towers, Those are yeah. fa fantastic for space but not for price not for price yeah <laughs> they are very well, and i think that's the thing too is <laughs> yeah. um like a lot of the rooms like the the deluxe villa resorts again like charla mentioned you can stay there you can pay, you know yeah. book your trip through disney or your travel agent and stay there and you can get a one-bedroom villa with a full kitchen a two-bedroom villa with a full kitchen you can have a three-bedroom villa if they're available um but they're not cheap they're you know cheap. yeah so they also not sorry, breaking the bank um it's probably a family suite at Art of Animation or All Star Music is going to be your best bet. But you can get two connecting rooms at a value for less than one family suite at All Star Music or Art of Animation. So also the family suites too for multi generational. They're yeah. check the bedding configuration and make sure that works for you. They're yeah. they're a family suite, but they're still not. You know, if you have five or six adults. It, becomes not that spacious you yeah. know you, there's one bedroom and then there's you know the pull-out bed from the wall and the sleeper sofa and one tiny little like twin size pull-out chair um so it may not be the best choice for multiple adults I think yeah yep 
I would agree. Um, if you're looking, however, you know, the one value, not value, the one room that is a good value that I think sometimes gets overlooked are the deluxe rooms at the deluxe resorts. Um, so those are rooms that are, they're not a suite, so they're not as expensive as a suite or a villa, um, but they are bigger and they can sleep up to five or six adults depending on the resort. So also what about the cabins? Oh, that's a good the option. Cabins yeah. might, I mean, depending on how little the children are, um, you know, they have the ten, bunk beds and 10 year olds. Oh, yeah. Well, it's only one kid. It's three Who doesn't want a bunk bed? bed? I still want a bunk bed, um, <laughs> but you know, mom and dad and the 10 year old can sleep in the bedroom with the bunk beds and then grandma and grandpa can be out in the living room on the sleeper sofa. And there you go. You still have a full kitchen. Yep. yep. It is a shorter trip though. So I guess my only hesitation with that is that with Fort Wilderness, it's, you're, it's so big. You spend a lot yeah. of time sort of toing and froing. Um, so that might be the only reason I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for a shorter trip, but it just depends. Every family is different. Every family has different sort of priorities about where they want to spend their time and how they want to spend their time. So any one of these could be an option for you. You just never know. Uh, all right. So next up is Carrie. Hi, ladies. This coming April, my family and I will be traveling to Walt Disney World together. In all, there will be six adults and one two-year-old. My question for you is how does rider swap work? Everything I've read makes it sound like this is only for families with two children, one who can ride and one who doesn't meet the height requirements. There are so many rides that my little isn't able to do, but that we'd all like to experience at one time or another. Thanks for all you do. Sincerely, Carrie. All right, Sharla, why don't you take that one since you're okay. not done with a little anymore? <laughs> well, okay. First of all, Carrie, um, you could, instead of using rider swap, you could just use fast pass. Um, and you know, like, say you all get a fast pass between one and 2 PM. So two of you go and then, or, you know, three of you go, whatever. And then when they get off, the next group can go and then just take turns watching the child. So that's one thing that works, but you can use writer swap. Um, what you need to do is at any attraction, you go to the cast member out front and say, Hey, we'd like to use writer swap. Then the people who ride first will go through the line. And um, they will they will hand you a little a little card. When those people get off the attraction, then the next group can go through the fast pass queue. So it say it'll save you some time. It's not like you have to wait in you know the line in the queue for <laughs> thirty minutes and then thirty minutes again or whatever the line happens. You're to essentially be. only waiting in line once. Right. right, and then the second right. time you go through the fast pass queue. Um, so use fast pass to your advantage, but. If that doesn't doesn't work um, or you can't get one or something like that, then only one set needs to wait. But make sure you talk to the cast member at the front before they <laughs> set, yeah. uh, set into the line because you don't want them to um, get off and be like, oops, we forgot to ask. So Also, yeah. the times that I've used fast or rider switch, they the cast member asks to see the whole, where is your whole party? Like, right. They want to see you all, all standing to, there with the child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you all need to be together when you go up and say, we want to do rider switch. Yeah. Um, I feel like rider switch is like the best kept secret at Disney world. Nobody ever knows about it. And when you do, it's like this, there's so many questions about it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a really good option for, you know, um, someone who doesn't want to, ride or can't ride because they're not tall enough or something like that but they do give you with the little paper that they give you allowing you to come back you can take more guests with you so if some of your guests really love it and want to ride it again that's where the older so if child you have up six yeah. in your party your rider switch pass is going to be for six people or i guess seven people no it'll be for six people so you can ride up to six people at any given time. So if, you know, three people ride it the first time and three sit back, you know what I mean? Like really only one person has to sit off the entire time. You can go yeah. up to six people each trip. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. So it is important to note that Rider Switch is not intended to be a replacement for Fast Pass. Um, and so that's why they want to see the child, not Baby Yoda, your actual child. <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know... Fast pass is your first line of defense in this situation. So in an ideal world, you get a fast pass for everything. We're, this is really only for rides in which you couldn't get a fast pass for or fast pass is not available. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, but just, but I mean, and 
each ride is going to vary a little bit too. I mean, there's going to be a kind of standards, but just go up to the cast member at the front. There's always a greeter at the front of the, of, at the front of the ride and yep. they will know what to do for every single ride. Um, and you know, if it varies a little bit from ride to ride, that's because of the nature of that particular boarding. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's fairly, it's really easy to use. So yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, although I will say universal does it better. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Better. Uh, okay. Uh, Amy Ware asks, uh, this is from our group, I think. Okay, here's a fun one. What are some of your favorite non-alcoholic beverages that can be purchased with snack credits or as the drink included with quick service or sit-down meal on the dining plan? All right. Well, good news for me is that alcoholic beverages are now included on the dining plan. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> for those oh, of us who don't yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, I, there's a few. Okay. So milkshakes are now included. Um, so like the peanut butter and jelly milkshake at 50s primetime cafe, the night blossom over in Pandora is really yummy with the little bobas on top. That's really good. Um, anything, my favorite is anything with a, um, a light up clip on <laughs> that goes on the drink. So if something walks by me and there's a light up like Lotus flower or a light up Tinkerbell, that's going to be what I want, you know. Um, those are additional, by the way. Those are the little light-up clips are not included in most of them. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Gosh, there's tons. There's oh, if you're into boba tea, joy of tea, I think in the China pavilion. I think it's oh, the that China little pavilion. kiosk. Yeah. But yeah, it has, mm. has like um uh, black tea boba that you can get that I think is a, a, a beverage or a snack credit. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think what others. What which ones do you guys like? Well, I'm tapping out because I don't. I don't mean to sound like I only drink alcohol, but um, because of my blood sugar issues, I actually don't drink non-alcoholic beverages other than water and non-sweetened tea. So yeah. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Amy. <laughs> yeah. I Maybe I'll have a hot chocolate once a year. <laughs> I don't really drink it. I drink, um, so I drink water and I drink Diet Coke and I I have been known to use a snack credit on a Diet Coke at a kiosk. I don't usually, I don't think that's the best value for your snack, but, um, but well, I have. Any lounge you go, like I'm thinking specifically of the Nomad Lounge, but like if you flip through that menu, I would say at least half of the drinks yeah. um, can be made without alcohol. Like yeah, Annapurna Zing, like, yeah. you can get that with, you can get that as uh, without alcohol. The Night Monkey, which is my favorite, you can get that without alcohol and it tastes just as good. It just yeah. doesn't have the little kick. So yep. I thought of another one, the Schweitzer Slush, I think it's called. Um, in Adventureland in the Magic Kingdom is really good as well. So that's another one um, that's like one of the, I forget which kiosk near sort of the Jungle Cruise. Right. Um, so that one's really good as well. It's like an apple juice kind of slushy and it's got the little bobas on top and that one's really good as well. So. Oh, you know what, what else would be good? Like the LeFou Brew. That's a yep. good one. That's great. Um, yeah. yeah, that's over in uh, Fantasyland and Gaston's Tavern. That, that'd yep. be a good one to have, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. All right. So next up, Freya asks, hello, ladies. I recently became a mom. Congratulations. And my husband and I have been visiting Walt Disney World for years. Now the conversation has turned to when is the best age to take our new edition? With the added issue that we live in the UK, we would have a minimum of an eight-hour flight on our hands. Any thoughts or experiences would be much appreciated. We visited Disneyland and fell in love with that resort too, so we're actually on the fence as where would be best to take a little one. Thanks for all the work you do. I love the podcast as it gives me my weekly dose of Disney, and I feel like I'm part of a group of girls having a good old chat over a cup of coffee. Love to you all. Oh, well, Freya, you are a part of our group. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully you're having coffee or tea or something while you listen to us right now. Um... Okay, this is a hotly debated topic among parents, I think, when to take, like, what is the right age? Yes. I don't think there is such a thing as a right age, although if you can get them in before they turn three while they're still free, do that. No brainer. <laughs> yeah. But I actually, I don't know, how old was Nora on her first trip, Sharla? Six months. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was like just it, over a year. Yeah, it her the trip when she was six months was the hardest trip we've ever had really um, um she did not sleep very well um we shared a room which i said that was the last time we would do that um it none of us slept well at all um 
it was just it was just really rough. She was still nursing, so like it, it you know, it was just really hard. When she was about a year and a half old, what much better? She's mm-hmm. you know she still loved looking at everything when she was a baby, but um, it was it was just rough. And she you know she really wasn't mobile. She could crawl, but that's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> you can't put her down. Um, so you know I definitely say two years old is probably the best for a first time between two and three. Yeah. I, I actually really loved taking Ryan. He was just a little over a year um, because, you know, everything is just so like the big wide eyes and everything's so interesting and everything's so exciting and he could walk. Um, So I was that parent and I will put it right out there for the whole world to hear. I do not care. I had my child on a leash. Yes. I did. My mom did that for us too. When she would 100%. take us into New York city, we yeah. always had to be in. Yeah. He had a little, little backpack clippy thing. It looked like a puppy and it had, you know, the tail was the, the leash thing or whatever. And he, you could not tell him that he was not my puppy. And I was taking him for a walk. <laughs> it was the best thing ever. He would put it on at home. Like walk me, mommy. He would, it was fantastic. Um, there is a point at which they become more opinionated about where what they will and won't do. And to me, I would rather take an, up like a 15 to 18 month old than I would rather take a two and a half year old. Cause by two and a half, they tend to be very opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I like it a little younger for Charlotte. She likes it a little bit older. Disney world versus Disneyland though. Disneyland's a really long flight from the UK. I, yeah. I don't think one or the other is better to take your child they're they're both magical they're there's characters at both it's just one is further yeah Yeah. i mean if you have a baby that's a really good flyer and is just gonna sit there and sleep then go for disneyland's but you know and it's always disneyland might be a bit easier to manage with a little one because it's just much more compact Mm -hmm. right it's easier to get back and forth to the hotel for naps or bedtime or things like that you know it's always disneyland maybe but boy that's a long flight yeah, I'm I would dreading probably... my flight to Europe later this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> yeah, I would probably lean toward more toward Walt Disney World for I for that, just too. because it's such a long flight. So, a couple quick tips about traveling with a baby, though. This is just personal experience. This is not, you know, um, try to keep to whatever your schedule at home was. So, don't try to do wild swings of times with feedings or bedtimes or things like that it's okay to get a little flexible you're on vacation but in general most kids do a little bit better when they're on somewhat similar of a schedule um you know some kid you know your baby best you know if you have a kid that will nap in a stroller or will never nap in a stroller you have to take those things into consideration my kid would sleep anywhere as long as it was dark and slightly noisy so we would get on pirates of the caribbean and he would fall asleep in the middle of the ride (laughs) (laughs) Every time, Um, you know, or we could go to one of the movies. Oh, Canada was a very frequent napping spot for us. And I'm still so sad that Universe of Energy is gone because that was the best nap ever for all of us. (laughs) That's all people did on that ride was just nap. (laughs) Yep, yep, exactly. So, you know, your kid best is is the bottom line. But, you know, pay attention to don't think that you're going to go on vacation and your kid is suddenly going to become a magically different child than they are. Because they're not. <laughs> uh, all right. So next up, we have Beth, uh, Betsy. I can see. Really, I can. Uh, <laughs> Betsy Liebel, who says, when, oh, back to Heather. All right. When is the best time to go to Alani with DVC points? I'm nervous to plan a trip to Hawaii only seven months out. Is it difficult to book a one-bedroom unit for a week? And will airfare from Orlando be super expensive? Anytime is the best time to plan a trip to Alani. Betsy, start planning. Um, Seriously, uh, Alani isn't, it's busy, but it's not busy. I've booked a trip there two months out. I mean, you, there's not the amount of planning that goes into a Hawaii vacation that there is a going into Walt Disney world. You don't have to plan your reservation six months out. You can, if you want to, but you know, if there's a, a, a really fancy restaurant that you just have to eat at. Okay, fine. But Hawaii is super casual. You're just going to be eating at food trucks and little stands and you don't have to worry about that. 
there's not much going on at Aulani that needs tons of planning. Like you should register your children for the kids clubs in advance. And if you want a character breakfast, book that. Other than that, like you can arrive and do all those things. So seven months is more than enough time to plan your trip to Aulani using points. Like I said, I planned, um, two months out one time going in the middle of May and put was put on a wait list for a one bedroom ocean view villa and got it the next day. So there's, I think the only time you would really have to worry the resorts sell out are um, like school holidays. I know president's day is always, always, always sold out always that whole week. It's just, I guess it's a big thing for kids on other islands in Hawaii. Their families go there. It's kind of like a little mini vacation for them. Um, You know, probably over 4th of July, but I, again, I've been in May, I've been in September, I've been in November and I've never had an issue. It's just, obviously, if you're going over a holiday week, it's going to be busier. So book as early as you can. Okay. Good to know. Um, I didn't even think about that. The sort of staycation aspect mm-hmm. from other islands so it's and probably do, a good idea to check like the hawaii school calendar absolutely and they do a yeah. lot of um discounts like hawaii resident discounts to kind okay. of i mean you know if you live on the big islands and you want to go to oahu it's a 40 minute flight so you know that's like the equivalent mm-hmm. to us in the northeast going down the shore so that's yeah. where they go for the weekend so um check the Hawaii school calendars. As for flights from Orlando to Hawaii, I can't speak to that. They change daily. Um, I went one time while I was living in Orlando and I don't remember it being so obscenely expensive, but you know, again, that'll depend on the time of year and when you book it. Yeah. Yeah. I would set a Google flight tracker alert. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can just go to google.com and type in, you know, MCO to, I don't remember the uh, HNL is the code I think for. um, Yep. Yeah. The, well, you know, airport in Honolulu, um, and you can set an alert so that it'll notify you when the price goes up yeah. or down. Mm-hmm. And consider consider flying to Atlanta or something like that. Um, I like yeah. a direct flight, but, you know, if you can get to one that's so much cheaper, like um, Southwest goes from Atlanta to Honolulu now, and Southwest is real cheap to get to from MCO to Atlanta. So, you know, yes, yeah. just, mm-hmm. you can't, I don't think you can set a Google flight tracker for that but no they have their own little yeah they have their own little thing yeah but just keep just keep checking it um but it's i mean it's a good way to it's a good time to go anytime to hawaii i love i love alani (laughs) it's my favorite resort it's the best resort i've ever stayed at yeah get out there all right um so we have a lot of questions still left so I think we're going to do maybe one more today and then we'll save the rest for next week. Does that sound okay with you guys? Sounds yes. great. And I okay. think the, the next one is a great one to end on. I didn't want to, I didn't want to put that one off because it's a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we'll each, we'll each get to answer this one. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so Deanne writes, if we could insert an animated Sarah, Charlotte, or Heather into any animated Disney movie, which movie would it be? All right. Who wants to go first? Well, I mean, obviously, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> I'm going into any Disney movie. That is the only one I will be. But who would you put? Who would you put Charlotte and I in? Um. Oh gosh, I don't uh-huh. know. I don't. Those know. the type of tough. I think Charlotte. What is the? What is the little? Um, I guess it's not really a movie. But I was going to say Sharla should be in Chippendale Rescue Rangers. What, Gidget, what is her name? The, like, she's Gadget. like, I can do it. I can fix it. Whatever. Gadget. That's funny. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Sarah, I don't know. I feel like you need to be Belle just because you're always off meeting. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I kind of want you to be like Tinkerbell, too, all sassy in the corner or something. Yeah, let's be – you can be Belle. Brave. No, you can't – do you do archery or is it just the hair? It's just the hair. I did do archery as a kid. I have done archery. <laughs> so I'll go take the archery class at Fort Wilderness. Oh, that would be so much fun. You should. Yeah. You should. All right. Sharla, how about you? Okay. Um, I, I don't I think we should all be in the gnome mobile. Because no, but I'm going to say it anyway, because my podcast, I can do whatever I want to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think the gnome mobile, because it's so fun. Um, The songs are great. The kids are great. 
Oh, I love that. I love it. You need to see it. I know. Um, you I have know no excuse. You have Plus. Disney Plus now. Is it on Disney Plus? It's not on Disney Plus. Plus. Well, I own it because I do right. too, and I I have it on the Plex. Yeah. Okay. So watch it next month. You can maybe yeah, watch it. Next yeah, month. it's so good. Um, but okay, so animated. Let's be in Mary Poppins. In the animated part. Okay, I was about to say it's still I was not like, that is also not animated, but okay. <laughs> There's a very good animated part. Yes. And they, they're in the countryside and they sing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and they do all that. And that's a very, very fun part. We can be in the band behind them singing that. Can okay. I just be Jane because then I get to ride the carousel pony and have a lollipop and that's well, That part's not animated. But it's in the animated section. Hey, she gets to do what she wants to too, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. All right. Deal. Um, all right. If I could, oh, if I could be in one, oh, it would be Belle. Who are we kidding? percent <laughs> be Belle. Because <laughs> that library. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. I library. probably would cry. <laughs> the library alone. Just yeah. But also, um, so Beauty and the Beast came out when I was in college, and I remember seeing it with my boyfriend at the time. And at one point, she does this thing where she just sort of like blows the uh-huh. hair out of it. And my boyfriend looks at me and was like, that is you. Because <laughs> I, I used to have bangs. He was like, I have seen you do that exact move a million times. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that would be pretty funny. Um, Heather, I, I know you love Alice in Wonderland, but my favorite version of Heather is Tinkerbell Heather. <laughs> little and blonde and you throw Heck of a temper tantrum. So, yeah. Probably warranted. I don't know what you all did to piss me off, but. (laughs) (laughs) I would definitely put you in Peter Pan. And Charlotte, I actually would put you in Rapunzel. You don't have the hair for it, but Rapunzel is very crafty and very good at sort of like, you know, DIY. And she paints and she does all this thing because she's up in her tower all the time and she has to live on her own. And that always reminds me of you. So I'll take it. When we, I first heard this question, I was I was thinking we had to just be in a movie and not be the character. But I was so I was like, well, I want to be Rapunzel, but I didn't realize we could pick a character for us too. So well, like what, if, what if yeah. the question, okay, so if we got to be a character, but now if we just got to go hang out, be ourselves, but go That's hang crazy. out in any Disney animated movie, like where would you hang out? Ooh. Well, that's why I picked the no mobile because we were just and right there. Da, 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 da. That's the Patreon extra. Okay. That's the Patreon extra. We're going right, to eat that question in the Patreon extra. Okay. So All right. Fine. If you answer that question, go to patreon.com slash Disney Park Princess <laughs> and subscribe. <laughs> so that's perfect. That's exactly what we're going to talk about in the Patreon extra. Okay. So that is all that we have time for this week, but we have a whole slew of other questions that we will get to (laughs) next week we're going to copy and paste and just keep them and uh, we will pick up where we left off next week so coming up next week we have questions on disney cruise line um disney cruise to alaska we have wow britney sent in a lot of questions (laughs) (laughs) Um, we've got a question like a getting to know you yeah i've got bucket list questions and lots of cruise questions next week actually so um we will get to all of that next week if you are not a patreon subscriber you could be, and you could be getting all of this extra bonus content that we do. Um, all of our subscribers get access to the Patreon Extra, which is the podcast bonus content that we record every single week. It's supposed to be about five minutes. It's usually longer. Um, we just <laughs> and, ramble a lot. <laughs> and then if you are a $10 a month subscriber, you get an extra email every month, which are super secret VIP tips. And these are tips that we do not share in the podcast. We do not share on the blog. These are things that we are only sharing with you. So they are exclusive to our VIP uh, members. And the next one comes out on February 1st. And we didn't forget, Heather wrote it. And it's we talked about it a little bit. It's ready to go. Last month, it's ready to go. It's scheduled to go out at 8 a.m. on Saturday. So still time to upgrade. If you're currently a $5 member, you can always upgrade to $10. If you're not supporting us at all, this podcast is free and it will remain free. But if you'd like to help us out, patreon.com slash Disney Park Princess. Also, this podcast, if you are listening to us right now and not watching us, you could be watching us because the podcasts are now available on our YouTube channel. Um, so go to YouTube, check us out. Um, and then, of course, follow us on Instagram. Our Facebook group is so much fun. I love the people that are in our Facebook group. They're just 
great and engaged and they ask lots of really funny questions and they post things. And one of our members got to meet, speaking of Belle, got to meet Paige O'Hara the other day and she posted photos about it, which is so cool. Um, so anyway, so thank you so much for your support and we will talk to you next week. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.